pursuing God is well worth the investment of our time. And um, what we did in January, we have a 21-day fast every year in January. And during that 21-day fast, our entire church began listening and asking God what is on his heart for us in the year 2015. And we just, we pulled all of those combined answers together and we identified themes. Last week we talked about the first, which is God is inviting us into some very special encounters with him this year. If you missed that message, you can get it on our podcast on the website at antioch.is. Today I'm going to talk about worship. And before I get into this, I want to encourage you to be very careful that you don't just listen to this and assume that you, oh, I've heard messages on worship before, or I, I know where he's going with this, or, or we're doing pretty good worship-wise. I, I believe that the Lord is inviting us into another quality and into another dimension of worship. And those two actually go hand in hand. The encounters affect our worship. Because worship is nothing more simply than our response to our revelation of who he is. We cannot worship God without God. As God chooses to reveal who he is to us, and we catch a glimpse of that, worship is, our, is us responding. It's the expression of our heart's response to that revelation that we've received of who God is. So I want to read a couple of the uh, prophetic directives as it relates to worship, and then I want to talk for a few minutes about uh, songs and new songs, and I want to talk about a particular type of praise called Tehillah. So Father, today we bless you and we love you, and it is our absolute joy, it is our absolute privilege to worship you. I was just thinking Father, this morning as we were down here, what an incredible joy it is for us to worship you. What an incredible delight it is for our hearts to respond to what you are showing us about yourself. And I'm asking today that we would not take that lightly, but that our hunger to discover you more would increase. That our passion to pursue the depths of your heart would increase. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen to some of the words that you guys wrote down and submitted for what the Lord is saying this year. Number one, that the Lord is leading us into a greater dimension of abandonment in worship. That through our worship, we will receive new assignments. The verse Psalm 95.6 was mentioned. I'm gonna read that. You can turn there to Psalm 95.6 with me. It says, come, let us worship and let us bow down and let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. I thought it was so appropriate this morning when Jonathan invited us to posture our physical man in a position of surrender. Worship is not some segmented thing. It is a holistic response to God, which means it is our body, it is our soul, our mind. We worship God with our mind. We worship him with the thoughts that we entertain. We worship him with our emotion. We worship him in spirit. And we worship him with the clap, the dance, all of these things. They are all part of our expression of worship. It is a holistic expression of what is in our heart towards God. One of the words says that dance is in the worship, that this is a year of the dance. And so I read that 
And a number of things come to mind. I, I believe that there will be a victory that is accomplished, that is purchased as we celebrate, as we tread on the head of our enemies through the dance. I'm reminded of Miriam in the book of Exodus after the children of Israel released from Egypt and how she began to sing and she began to dance before the Lord in victory of what God had accomplished for the people of Israel, delivering them from 400 years of slavery. It says this is a time to focus on his majesty. And we began talking about that just a few weeks ago, that there's gonna be much more focused emphasis, teachings, preachings, proclamations around this person of Jesus. This is a year to write new songs and sing new songs. One of the things that I shared earlier to the group that prays, by the way, any of you who wanna pray with us at 9.15 on Sunday mornings are welcome to join us upstairs to pray into and to sow into the work of the Lord in the house, not only for the Sunday morning, but for all, all the days of the week. But the first night that I got together with our first round of life group leaders and we just began participating with the Lord on listening to his heart, almost every single person in our life group heard something relative to worship and new songs. It was so awesome. And I, and I just, I took note that God is inviting us into new experiences and new songs and new encounters and new expressions as it relates to worship. New songs written, released, and sung this year. Again, this is the year of the new songs. So many words on this. There will be refreshing of worship that comes to do effective battle. I believe uh, Becca actually reinforced this when she shared at the beginning of the year. We have uh, a prophet in the house, and uh, we have her share at the beginning of the year every year. And, and one of the things that she spoke on relative to worship, because she spoke on the importance of worship this year as well, is that there would be a refreshing that comes for us to continue to engage in the battle that is against us. Worship is a key to your victory in the battle. Worship is a key to your victory in the struggle. And there are many, many passages, not the least of which is when Jehoshaphat send, sent the praisers out in front of the army when Judah went to go fight Moab. And it was praise that was released unto God that actually confused the camp of the enemy. There's, there's nothing more intimidating to an enemy who is coming to fight you then when you're not afraid, in fact, you're happy. And you're happy and your eyes aren't even on your enemy. Your eyes are just on God and you're celebrating. That would jack an enemy up. That will mess an enemy up who's coming to threaten your life and you're just not even worried about it. So worship is very, very critical to our times of battle this year. Times of worship and quiet times with the Lord will be added and will be increased. There'll be a fresh new anointing of praise and worship that rises in the house. Intercessory worship will bring strength and refreshing joy. During our times of corporate worship, there will be many times where we will listen and we will hear the voice of the Lord. There was a, a picture that someone got. They saw the sun starting to rise and stop and rise and stop. And then they saw people gathering with their hands raised. And as more and more people gathered, the sun moved higher into the sky 
And as the sun moved higher in the sky, the praise of the people increased and it got louder and louder. I want to talk for a few minutes this morning about the role of the new song of worship and the new song of praise. So let's go to the book of Psalms. We're going to look at Psalm 33 to begin with, and we're just going to hit a number of points as it relates to this. Psalm 33. And we'll begin here in verse 1 of Psalm 33. It says, Sing for joy in the Lord, O you righteous ones, for praise is becoming to the upright. I want to stop right there. The first point I want to make very simply is that praise is becoming of the Lord. That word becoming is a pretty archaic word. I I looked at it, and in the Hebrew translation is very simply becoming or deserving. So in other words, we could look at that and we could say that it is appropriate It is fitting. It is the right thing for the righteous to do to praise God. You know, there's certain things that are just, they're right. When you get in a certain environment, there's a certain way that you react. There's a certain way, there's there's manners, there's etiquette, there's protocol. Uh, When a person of honor walks into the room, there's a certain thing that's appropriate for us to do. There's an appropriate response. And Psalm 33, one very simply says, that God is deserving of an appropriate response of praise simply because of who he is. And I believe that what will happen this year and what I'm, I'm inviting us to pray into this year, that this would be a year where we press into the invitation of God that our understanding of his worth would increase. That our understanding of what is befitting of God, that that would be enlarged in our lives. See, we can only worship God to the degree that we understand how valuable he is. It's like going in and, and seeing a very, very expensive artifact or seeing a, a relic and treating it as common because you simply don't know how much it's worth. Tons of shows out nowadays where people go in and they have these garage wars and these, these garage auctions and, and um, you know, you get in there, storage wars or whatever it is, and, and they just find these hidden treasures. And you've heard this said, you know, one, one person's junk is another man's treasure. Well, a lot of it's because they don't see value in it or they've lost value or they never recognize how much intrinsically that thing was worth. And, and, and we ought to this year be praying that God would reveal to us how much he's worth, not just how much we think he's worth or not just how much we've experienced that he's worth, but a true revelation. You know, in John 4, beginning in verse 21, scripture says that God is spirit. And it says that those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, I wanna connect a couple of thoughts here because in Matthew 16, we preached about this just a few weeks ago. You remember when Jesus was talking to his disciples and he says, who do men say that I am? And Peter says, well, by golly, you're, you're, you're the one, you're him. You're the one, you're the one we've been waiting for. You're the Messiah, you're the Christ, you're the anointed one, you're the son of God. And here's what Jesus responded. He said, he said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my spirit. You and I cannot have revelation of who God is in our mind alone. 
We can read and we can read about other people's experiences and we can read about other people's encounters and we can look back and wonder why, why are all these people so radical? Why are they so crazy? Well, it's because there's been a revelation that has come of who God is and it's come in the dimension of their spirit man. Now, I certainly believe that what we read in the realm of our mind, I'm not, you know, God says, he says, love the Lord your God. Love him with all of your heart. Love him with all of your soul. Love him with all your strength. Love him with all your mind. It means that there are many ways that we engage, but these things that we engage in, they actually serve to strengthen the revelation of who God is in the realm of our spirit, man. Okay? So it is fitting, it is appropriate, it is the right thing to do for the righteous to praise him. Any righteous people in the house this morning? Then it is appropriate for us to praise him. Number two, The word here, praise, is one of seven Hebrew words for praise in the Old Testament. Seven Hebrew words for praise. I'm not going to go into all seven of those. I'm just going to focus on this particular one. The word is called tehillah. Tehillah. And it's a Hebrew word that very simply means to praise God. It means to honor him. It means to adorn him. It means to recognize his fame and his renown. And it means actually to give something almost spontaneously to who God is. Now, the thing that I thought was interesting, and this is point number two, is that as I began just looking over and over and over this word, something that was hidden, that this word, tehillah, is actually a noun. And that threw me for a loop because I thought that praise is something that we do. And definitely there are other Hebrew words for praise that carry the verb uh, tense of the word, But this particular word for praise is not a verb. In other words, this is not just something that we do. It's not just an action. Praise is a thing. And I want you to say that. Say praise is a thing. Praise is a thing that you give. Praise is a something. Give me me a few minutes here. I'm going to try to develop this a little bit. Some of the other words for tehillah are thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, adoration. So in your spirit and in my spirit, in your heart and in my heart, there is a praise. There is an adoration. There is a thanksgiving. That is within you. And if you don't give it to God, you are going to give it to something. You're going to praise a football team or you're going to praise a person or you're going to praise someone's clothing or you're going to praise an experience. You're going to praise something if you don't give that praise to God because it's in you. And you and I were designed to give our praise to something. You're designed to give your praise to something, and your praise is a thing. It is a noun. Your highest praise, your best praise. And so what God is saying here, and we're going we're to unpack this here very, very soon, but he is saying that when you choose to give your best praise, when you choose to give your best thanksgiving and your best adoration, when you choose to give that to me, something very special happens. Let's go to Psalm 22. Psalm 22, verse three. This is point number three. And that very simply is, is that God inhabits our praise. He inhabits our tequilah. He inhabits the very best of the worship and the thanksgiving and the adoration. When we give that to him, the Hebrew word there means to come near. It means to live in. It means to make your home. It means to dwell, to set up camp, and to stay a while. 
So in other words, when you and I choose to take that praise that's inside of us and give it to God, to give our something to him, to give our adoration to him, scripture says that he actually comes and he, the NASB says he enthrones the praise of Israel. Now that's a powerful word. He enthrones, he inhabits, he lives in, he dwells in our praise. Last week we talked about encounters with God and We talked about how the fact that many men throughout history and the scriptures, when they had to give a difficult word, when they had a difficult assignment, everything, every time they had to give a difficult word, what preceded that was an encounter with God. And we use this phrase about throne room encounters. And I thought it was interesting that we talked about throne room encounters and here the scripture is saying that if you want a throne room encounter, then you need to give him your praise. See, sometimes we can think that it's just this ethereal thing and we're gonna beat me up Scotty and he's gonna shoot us up into this. Now, I believe that there is a real throne room and there's a real heavenly place, but I want you to understand this here. God is saying that when we choose in spite of what's going on to give him our very best praise, he says, I'll bring my throne room down to you. I will bring the place where I rule. I will bring the place of judgment. I will bring the righteousness and justice of my throne and I will actually come near and bring that to you when you choose to elevate me in praise. You want an encounter with God? Praise him. Praise him. Praise him through the word. If you're not sure exactly how to do that, take the book of Psalms. Take the book of Revelation, chapter one, chapter four, chapter five. Take the different attributes of who God is that he reveals throughout the scripture and very simply take those things and begin to read those and declare those and say back to him who he has said to you that he is. One of the best ways that you can learn how to grow as a person of praise and a person of worship is very simply say to him what he has said to you about who he is. You know, one of the things that I'll do from time to time, particularly when I don't understand a song, is I'll actually pull out my journal Many times I'll do this when we, uh, when we release a new song. I'll pull my journal out and I'll actually write the lyrics of that song down. And I'll just write it down because as I'm writing the lyrics of that song down, I'm actually meditating on that song because I wanna get to a place where I don't have to look at a screen to sing a song. I wanna get to a place where I can tehila, which means that I can allow spontaneous praise, even if I'm saying the same, song, the same words of the song that everybody else says, I want it to be accompanied with a fresh revelation of who God is revealed in that particular song. And I'm not gonna have that if I'm just being exposed to it at the very first time with everyone else. So sometimes what I'll do is I'll just meditate on the words of that song and then I'll go find scripture. Because every good worship song should actually be grounded and founded in scripture. And, you should, and every good worship song should have about five to 10 scriptures that it, it is pointing to and that supports what that song is saying about who God is. And we gotta understand that worship and praise is not about a song. The song in and of itself is not the thing that we're giving. It's the praise that is being released through the vehicle of that song. You can write a song, you can read a song, you can speak a song, you can do a poetic recitation of a song, but the most important thing is what's coming out of your heart through the vehicle of those words. And one of the things that I love when I sing the songs that other lovers of God have discovered is that in their intimacy with God, in their unique giftings and unique callings that they've been able to actually write out into words the things that are in my heart that have been locked up. 
Are you hearing me this morning? That's why in Psalm 33, verse 3, the scripture says, sing a new song to the Lord. Sing a new song to the Lord. Point number four very simply would be that singing a new song is actually a command. It's not just a suggestion. I want to encourage you in this house today. I've seen this happen. I've watched it happen now over the past 10 years, particularly in this body. I've watched it happen in other fellowships uh, around the nation that I've been exposed to. But there is a dimension of alignment and agreement, especially as it relates to the corporate body, that most of the body of Christ is absolutely completely ignorant of. This is not the time to have Bible study. It's not the time. It's not the time to fold your arms and close your eyes and lean back and, and, and have a personal quiet time with the Lord. And I understand, listen, I understand that there are times when the Lord will begin doing something on a very personal level in our lives because that's just how he is and it's who he is and he can do something corporately and personally all at the same time. But if we're going into our time of corporate worship only to have a, a personal encounter with God that we didn't get throughout the rest of the week, then we're gonna be missing something that God is doing on the corporate level. Now, let me also say this. Scripture says to sing to him a new song. If you look at the word sing, in the book of Psalms and throughout the entire Old Testament. This is a word, this, this is a verb, this is not a noun, this is a verb. This is something that we do. It is something that we actively engage in in order to give him our praise. Remember, praise is a noun. So how do, we, how do we take that thing and how do we bring it over to God? Well, one of the ways that we take that thing and we bring it to God is through singing. Singing is very, very important throughout scripture. We'll be singing throughout all of eternity. Scripture says that around the throne and around the lamb, there are 24 elders and around those 24 elders there are angels upon angels and around those angels, there'll be humanity and we'll all be singing songs. We'll actually be through the vehicle of singing. We'll be expressing our adoration, thanksgiving, our renown and honor for who God is for all of eternity. Praise is something that must be expressed. In fact, let me say this to you. If you're just thinking about it, it's not yet praise. I can think that my wife is amazing. I can think she's beautiful. I can think her food is incredible. I can love the outfit she's wearing. I can be so grateful for the way that she's training our children. I can be so enthralled by the way that she's growing and developing and I can go on and on and on. And if I never, if I never take that praise and put it in a vehicle and send it her way, she, for all intents and purposes, she will not know that those things are in my heart. The same for our children the same for the people around us, and the same for God. But you say, well, God knows hearts. Yeah, God does know hearts. But somehow in his sovereign wisdom, he has said, I want you to express what's in your heart. I want you to take the things, I want you to labor. I love what Jonathan said this morning. He says, let's expand our vocabulary. You know, it's, it's very easy. Everything in the Christian, there is always a temptation for everything in the Christian life to become stale to become dormant, stagnant, lethargic, complacent. And I don't say this as a, as a statement of, um, of, of belittling. This is not a demeaning statement. It is very simply a reality, and that very simply is this, 
that we have an opportunity, we will never ever get bored with who God is because of who he is. Now we may get bored because we have hit the threshold or the limit of our capacity to pursue him, which we must receive a fresh grace from God. We might get bored because we've allowed the distractions of this, the lower level distractions of this world to pull our gaze off of him. And then we stop, we stop becoming fascinated with who he is. Are you hearing me today? And that's why the psalmist says, sing to him a new song. Now, what does that mean? It means encounter him again. It means take another look at one of the millions of facets of who God is. You know, we were worshiping here today and I thought to myself, I could probably spend the next thousand years on the fact that you are good. That one alone, I don't have to go any further. All I have to think about is your goodness. All I have to think about is the, the innate depravity that is inherent within the sinfulness of humanity. And all I have to do is think about how all of your thoughts towards me are good. That you always provide us with good things. Psalm 103 says you daily load us with benefits. You, you're always heaping good things upon us. Jesus said it like this when he was talking about prayer and he says, how then can you being evil, though you are evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children. One of the favorite things that we as moms and dads love to do, we love blessing our kids with good things. Whether it's a present or an ice cream cone or a trip to Chick-fil-A or it doesn't matter, a surprise, there's something in our heart that is actually a part of the heart of God that comes alive when we do good things to our kids, but it's not even scratching the surface of the goodness I was thinking last week as Seth sang a couple of songs about the goodness of the Lord. I'll sing because you're good. I'll dance because you're good. All these things. If we stopped at the goodness of the Lord, we could spend all of eternity just being fascinated with how good he is. He's good and he's always good and it doesn't matter what's going on in our lives. Nothing will change the goodness of God. We can explore the goodness of God. I want to whet your appetite to take one attribute of the character of God and just explore it for a little while. Like, why don't we just break off some of the spiritual ADD, right? And, oh, you know, we, we just kind of gloss over and we assume that we know how good he is. Friend, we will never know how good he is. And the attributes of God are not something for us just to meditate on mentally so that we can have riveting conversations with someone and puff ourselves up intellectually. They're to be experienced. They're to be mined out. The attributes of God are like treasures for us to discover the attributes of God are like, they're, they're, they're precious jewels for us to mine out. And they don't come cheap. They're costly, but they're available. And I'm here to tell you, if you want a revolution in your Christian life, find an attribute of God and get fixated on it. Get fixated on it until you begin to reflect that attribute of God in your life. Because that's what happened. You become like what you behold. That's why the eye gate is so important. I'm starting to feel my help coming on. Thank you, Lord. You become like what you behold. That's why 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that as we behold him, we'll become like him. As we look at him with unveiled faces. I love what Seth said last week. He says, we have an opportunity on this side of eternity to do something that we'll never get to do. And that is out of faith and trust and longing of hearts, we get to give him worship, not knowing what he really looks like. 
Because when we get into eternity, John, 1 John chapter 3, 1 and 2 says, when we see him, we'll become like him, for we will see him as he is. No more filters, no more veils. But on this side of eternity, it's only a burning heart of trust that says, I believe that this is really who you say that you are, and I'm going to pursue it until I become like it. Don't you know that if you're lacking a little bit of gentleness, that you can just fixate your heart for a season? And when I say a season, I mean, you know, why don't you spend months on one quality of God? Just months. If you're lost in what to do in, 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 your, t- in your time with the Lord, pick an attribute of God. Pick up the knowledge of the holy by A.W. Tozer. Pick up knowing God by J.I. Packer. Pick up some of these great treasures or go to the book of Psalms. You don't have to go far. Go to Psalm 18 where it says, I love you, O Lord, my rock. You are my strength and you are my redeemer. Pick one of those things and for the next six months, what does it mean that you're my rock? What does it mean that everything will fall away but you're stable? You are unmoving. I don't have to be, I don't have to be wavering. I don't have to be like a little infant tossed to and fro with every wind and wave of doctrine. You meet some people like that. How are you doing? Uh, you know, one day they're up, one day they're down. Why don't you just get fixated on the immovable rock of God and it'll transform you. It'll change you. You know, one of the things I love about being a daddy is anytime people see Kenya and they always go, Boy, he's just like a little you. And you know, there's there's a part of me that says, yeah, he is. That's right. He's reflecting his father's glory. (laughs) But you know, we're called to reflect the father's glory. Psalm 33, three, sing to the Lord a new song. You and I have an opportunity to behold God afresh and anew every day every day, every moment. And that's what Tehillah is. It says, sing to him a new song, play skillfully with a shout of joy. That word Tehillah is this, it's almost like this isn't just something that I'm, I'm doing because everyone else is doing it. It's not something I'm doing because I've done it before. It's like a fresh, oh my goodness, you are so. This is who you are. This is who you are. You are so good or you are so faithful. You ever had moments like that? or you're just trucking along, or something happens, or you're reading a scripture, or you're, you're beholding the beauty of God. Just yesterday, I was out with a couple of friends of mine taking a hike, and we just hit this, this little, just this little canyon, and it was so serene. And I said, great job, God, you did a good job today. But in my heart, as I just began hiking a little bit further, and this is, this is the, the wisdom of God that hit, the glory of God is displayed in the heavens and in the earth. Everything is pointing to him. Everything is pointing to him. You know, sometimes you hear people go, Jesus, you're beautiful. Well, what does that mean? Well, there's a number of things that, that, can, that can relate to. Look at what's around you that's beautiful. Look at the creation of God that reflects the beauty of the creator. And then when you see it, Let that result in Tehillah. Let that result in going, oh, you're beautiful. You know, the mountains of Pikes Peak never get old to me. They never do. I've only been here 10 years. I'm a little jealous for those of you guys who've lived here your entire life, but they never get old. And it's like every time I behold them, I catch another glimpse of how majestic they are and they point to the majesty of God. Let Let me point you to one more scripture as we close here in Psalm 40. 
Psalm 40, verse three. I believe this is so important because, you know, the prophetic word again is an invitation. And if God is saying, I'm wanting to release new songs, it would be very easy for many of us to say, well, I'm not a songwriter or I don't understand how to engage in, in what we've now deemed spontaneous worship. We're not, we're not just talking about spontaneous worship. We're talking about a, sponta- a, a spontaneous revelation of who God is that results in us then expressing it to him. Psalm 40 verse three says, he put a new song in my mouth. God is the one who put that song in the psalmist's mouth. God is the one. He will put a new song in your mouth. I love the way Everett Ford said it this morning in prayer. He says, the new song comes from a new heart. The new heart comes from new encounters. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of Tehillah, a song of praise, a song of adoration, a song of thanksgiving, a song of fame, a song of glory to our God. Now, here's the beautiful thing. God put that new song in the psalmist's mouth. God would put a new song in your mouth. As I've looked at this particular word for praise, remember, this is the same word for praise that says God will come and he'll live in this. He'll live in the tequila of his people. He'll live in the expressed affection and the expressed manifestation of glory that is in the heart of his people. So this is important. How many of you want God to inhabit your homes, inhabit your marriages, inhabit your workplace, inhabit our church? So this is important. He'll put a new song in our mouth Why is it in our mouth? Because what is in the heart must be expressed. It must be expressed. The invitation of the Lord before us is, I'm gonna show yourself more of me. And as you see more of me, you will praise in a different way. But watch this. As you praise in a different way, I will show you more of me, which will lead to another encounter, which will produce a new praise, which will bring me closer, which will bring you another encounter. And listen, just as there are cycles in the negative that spiral down, cycles of sin and shame, they call, you know, we call them strongholds. There are cycles that propel us forward in God. And this is, this is a critical part of that. Now listen, here's our, here's our marching orders. Find an attribute. In fact, why don't we just be still here and fight, just let the Lord drop an attribute in your heart. His love, his faithfulness, his kindness, his strength, his wisdom, his peace. Let him drop that attribute. When you feel that the Lord has put something in your heart, why don't you just stand with me? Maybe write it down. <clears throat> there are 47 times the word tehillah is used in the Old Testament. If all you did was look up every one of those 47 verses, that would be a fascinating path 
of exploration in the heart of God. So everyone who's standing, the Lord has dropped some attribute. Now, why don't, why don't we just choose this day that for the next month, we're gonna pray that attribute, we're gonna sing that attribute, we're gonna write that attribute, we're gonna find scriptures around that attribute, and we're gonna, we're gonna pursue God around that attribute. Friend, I tell you, we do this and we just pick another one up the next month and another one up the next month, I promise you there is no way that worship and praise in the Christian life will ever get stagnant because he has treasures around this very thing that God dropped into your heart that he wants to show you. Jonathan, would you just come on up this morning? Now, why don't we just take the next minute or two and just vocalize He put a new song in my mouth. Let's take what's in our mouth now and let's give him tahila. Let's give him adoration and praise and thanksgiving around that attribute he has put inside of us. Father, I declare today that you are good. You are good. Come on, church, just out of your mouth, whatever, whatever that thing is that he's put inside of there, say to him what he said to you. Father, we want to be a new song people. We're hungry for new encounters. We're hungry for fresh revelation. Father, we agree with this word today that came to your people, through your people, that this will be a year of abandoned worship. Lord, today I take the lid off. Father, I pray for every person that is here in this place today that if there's any lid, in fact, if that's you, if you just feel like there's been a lid, something's been locked up, just throw your hands up. I wanna pray for you. I pray the lid off, the lid off, let it come off. In the name of Jesus, apostolically today, let there be a degree of authority that comes and shatters every lid of shame, every lid of lethargy, every lid of fear, every lid of offense, every lid of hurt and pain, every lid of anxiety, every lid of distance, every accusation of the enemy against your sonship and your daughterhood, We lift it off of you today, Antioch, in the authority of Jesus' name. And we say, let that new song, let that new revelation, let that new experience, let that new encounter, that new glimpse, let it come now. Father, shoot us into this week looking for the hidden treasures of who you are. And Father, I pray, let new songs spring up where we'll find ourselves just spontaneously, unrehearsed, unplanned, we'll find ourselves just reveling and declaring to you, saying back to you, God, you're so faithful. I can't believe how faithful you are. You're always faithful to me. You're always faithful to the earth. God, I just caught a fresh glimpse that you'll never leave us. No matter what we're going through, you're always near. Your name is Jehovah Shammah. You're the God who is near. You're Emmanuel. You're God with us. Father, we thank you that you are Jehovah Rohi. You are our shepherd. 
Father, we thank you for your word that you cause us to lie down in green pastures, that you restore our soul. I pray today, restore the soul of this people. God, that a new song of praise could rise from our lips to you. I'm asking today, God, that that you would awaken our hunger, that you would awaken our pursuit, you would awaken our affection, you would awaken our discovery. I pray that we would not um, grow weary, that we would not grow weary. Like, Like Tiffany prayed today, God, give us stamina. Give us stamina. God, enlarge our capacity. Enlarge the narrow mansion of our souls that we would see you for who you are and spend the rest of the days of all of eternity telling you who you are showing to us. You are the faithful witness. You are the faithful witness, Jesus. You are the firstborn from among the dead. You are the rulers. You're the ruler of the kings of the nations. That is who you are and it is deserving of praise. It is fitting, it is appropriate for the righteous to praise you. So I pray today, Father, that you would establish this house in a new praise because you reveal daily who you are to us. I bless you, Antioch. I bless you. I bless you to run. I bless you to see God. I bless you to hear his voice. I bless you with a deep root of a love for this man, Jesus. I bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's clap our hands unto the Lord this morning.